As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you Why mad? You mad? Rest. All right, we're going. All right, what's up? Hey, Luis, uh, I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan in a hotel room. How's it going? Hi, Jake. I'm doing good. I was doing uh, some backyard painting home improvement, as I've discussed with you, mm, and I had a few drinks while doing that. So now I'm having coffee during the podcast, a nice reversal of the usual. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah not, how's it going in Grand Rapids? I'm not drinking on the podcast today because I'm hungover because we just did seven crazy ass shows in a row. Two of them were like living in the fucking uh, parking lot of Comet Ping Pong Pizza, basically. <laughs> and like, um, and my, if you can hear my voice is all hoarse, it's from just like, from performing, but also just smoking and stuff and just like, and yelling. And like, and I've also been going yeah. to the show every night. Like, not everyone on the show watches the show, but I seriously go and watch like the whole fucking thing almost. Yeah. Um, well, you know what's funny is that your voice is always hoarse, but it's like, it cracks now that you're hungover, like super, <laughs> like worn down. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you have your period. I know your period. Your your what is it? Uh, going through adolescence. Puberty. Puberty. Yeah. Puberty. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Puberty. I, was like, I also got high before this podcast. Everybody, shut the fuck up. Okay. Uh, anyway, let me ask you this: um, At this late night hang last night. Uh-huh. Was Max there? Was John there? <laughs> well, actually, actually, no, because oh, those motherfuckers! They okay. like it's it's me and like it's like the it's the the scrappy ones, like the crew, like the guitar yeah, tech, yeah. and like some of the yeah. younger kids in the ska band and stuff, and then whoever the fuck is hanging out is like the people that go out to the bar, and then the older guys who are like. You know, like Max is like take trying to his voice is fucked because he's been singing yeah. for every night. So he like after the show, he kind of goes and lays down or like he'll hang out in the bus a little bit. Yeah. But um, if you, what you're getting at is that he didn't hang out. That son <laughs> of a didn't bitch. get to meet him yeah. at the New York show. Yeah. yeah. They, he didn't go to the after party like he. Well, is, let me let me uh, say, because I, I keep watching him have uh, pictures with other podcast hosts that I know. And with other comedy adjacent people that I know. And I'm like, what the fuck? How did this happen? And I will tell you something. Okay. So I understand his side of like, he's tired. His voice, you know, I think Max doesn't drink, right? Am I right? Yeah, he's sober. Yeah, he's sober. So I understand. Like, why would you want to stay up late with a bunch of drunk bastards? But I hadn't really like calculated that at first. And so first of all, let me before I complain, say nice things, which are... I had so much fun at the show. You were awesome. Uh, it, you know, I thought it was great that you ended the first part that you did with um, like a really good music joke. <laughs> but then like, uh, you know, what happened to me was that I'm like watching you, right? So I get, uh, I get there and I'm like watching you go on. And then there's like some people behind me like fucking chatting. Oh, like, yeah. Looking at their phone and whatever. Yeah. And at first I'm like real pissed, Jake. Like I was about to start turning around and being like, shh what are you doing <laughs> and then i had a moment where i was like oh wait this is not a comedy space. right this is a music space and i understand that they didn't come here to see me to see comedy okay it's fine jake will win them over and then i was just like don't be mad at them <laughs> and then i like watched it and then you like built it up until you got to this music joke which i think even by just like naming the bands some of them like it 
their heads like just popped up like yeah. oh wait he's talking about something that i know about <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> and then you made them laugh with something that was in reference to things that like were related to what they want they came to see so then all of a sudden they were like ready to go for the show and uh we are the union was great with like you know i hadn't seen a ska band in many many years but i had such a good time and it was really awesome to see i don't know if this is bad but it just felt like um a big portion of the young audience came to see We Are the Union. And I don't want to say old audience came to see <laughs> six, but like some of my age audience, I don't feel old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, more of like, we knew you way back when and we're still into it and we're here. And it was really cool to see both We Are the Union fans like singing along to their songs and also Eve Six, Eve six fans singing along to the songs and then obviously uh when they played blender songs super fun time when everybody like flips out and it's like yeah that's what we were waiting for right um so i had such a fucking good time right and then the show ends and uh well let me tell you trey and his girlfriend fucking dumb because they left (laughs) like at 10 57 or something so they missed the heart in the blender song by like 30 <laughs> seconds jake so they fucking miss it like idiots and they leave and so the show ends and we go upstairs and you guys are all entertaining all your fans you know they're all saying hi to you telling you like oh you're so funny you're so great i love you blah 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 so based on like my comedy experience i don't want to interrupt that you know what i mean like yeah. i feel like it's post-show time is your time to shine as performers and like talk to the people who want to get pictures with you and like you know that are so excited to see you and i'm also excited to see you and i also would like pictures with all of you but i feel like i'm like i guess i kind of know you so i can wait and i like you know so i felt like i was being polite and then i turn around and max is gone and john is gone and i'm like what the fuck and you come out and you're like you guys ready to go uh, yeah, they're not coming. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, this is ex- extremely cheated. This is exactly what happened because the thing is, yeah. you know, you've been seeing like all these fucking selfies that people are taking with them around the, you know, all yeah. in different cities and shit. The reason those people are taking selfies with Max is because they aren't as respectful and they do not they don't understand what's going on at a show as mm. much as you do. And so you it's a fucking paradox. You fucked yourself by being too good at your job. Yeah. And like it, what's going on is like especially, you know, I can tell um I don't know. I don't want to like fucking psychoanalyze my friend here or whatever, but like I, I especially without him able to speak for himself, but Yeah. You know, I mean, he's sober, right? And sober yeah. people have addictive personalities and stuff, and I think something that he got into was Twitter, and I think he will joke about that, you know, probably. I don't think it's a touchy subject. Like, like we were hella on Twitter, him and me both. That's yeah. how this happened. And me, yeah. But like, it's, I'm also experiencing this thing where I'm like, man, like there are different things going on here. Some of the people in the audience are fans and some of the people are just like simpletons who are just like, I go to where the radio tells me. And then yeah. there is this parasocial thing and I'm getting like kind of stressed out. Like New York was like almost, it pushed me to my limit with this where I feel really it was stressful for you. Yeah. Cause I feel the need to entertain, you know, when, especially when people come up and they are treating you like we're friends because I listen to you yeah. or whatever, cause we're friends on Twitter. 
Twitter or whatever. And I don't want to condescend and I don't want to be a precious artist. So I let it happen and I just go with it. But then like fucking four hours later, it's like four in the morning and I'm like, why? Whose house am I at? Like, what am I fucking (laughs) talking to this person? So I did that with you. I did the same thing with you that I did with Max. Like I said hi to you because you were in the showroom earlier. Yeah. But like I didn't say hi to you before you go up because I'm like, I understand the performers are in a space in their head before they have to go up. Yeah, you're the only person that gets that. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm like, I'm not trying to talk to you before the show. You do your thing. The show starts, and so then you, like, come down, and you're in our area, like, in the public area. So I said hi to you once. I hugged you. I showed you that I took a picture. And then, like, I didn't talk to you anymore because I saw there was other comics coming up to say hi to you. There were fans that listened to your podcast coming up to you. People, they were just watching the show being like, hey, man, that was funny. So, like, why would I be like, I can talk to you every day? I know, <laughs> you know right? Like, I mean? you live like, here. Yeah. I was trying why to Why would wait. I interrupt that? Even though I didn't think of it as stressful for you. I just thought of it as, like, this is part of, not your job, but, like, maybe part of why you do it and part and parcel of the whole thing. It's all that. It's part of the job. Yeah. It's also enjoyable, but it is, like, incredibly stressful because you're juggling a lot of things. And, like, also, like, you know... I'm DIY. I'm like a carny shill. So like what I do after shows, is I hang out by the merch table and people will recognize me and they'll go, Oh fuck shit. And then they'll buy a shirt and stuff. And I'll make an extra hundred bucks. So like when everyone's chilling in the green room doing the rock star thing, I'm out there fucking working. Cause that's the time yeah. of the night. I don't have a load in. You know what I mean? I have this after show thing that I do that kind of yeah. connects everything to the parasocial stuff. But like another thing that was going on was like, um, <laughs> like, so you watched the E6 set and you saw Patrick Stickles from yeah. Titus Andronicus do a guest yes. thing. So great song. That's my favorite yeah. band, right? Like, yeah. I talk about them on the show a lot. And <gasps> pause just to tell you that Allison, my one of my BFFs, like uh-huh. she's a very music nerd person, and she like turned to me and she's like, "Wait, who's this guy? Why do I know this guy?" And I like turned <laughs> to her and I was like. He's the guy from Titus Andronic. I don't know anything further, but Jake told me about him. <laughs> That's all I know. But I feel super cool that I know and you don't. <laughs> well, it was really funny because like uh, even the crew in the band, like Max didn't really know who he was. He just knew yeah. him from Twitter. And he was telling me like, oh, he's going to come do a, a thing with us. And I was like fanning out. Like this is one of the very few times I'll get like, oh my God, like I want to watch this person yeah. in action. And so then he came and he hung out on the bus with us and stuff. And I was like really trying to play a cool. The day in New York? Yeah. And okay. he was hanging out in the green room and shit. And I was really trying not to be a dork about it. And I also like we kind of had like a whole banter thing going on. Like it was very fun because he's very on and stuff. But like he came to the after party and he him and his wife, he went like, hey, Jake, can I buy you a beer? You know, and I was like, yeah. yeah. And I sat down in the booth with him and then 30 people piled in the booth like with Ooh. us. And I was like, <laughs> this is insane. And I'm getting uncomfortable. So eventually I started milling Thank around. You. Welcome to my world. <laughs> exactly. Where you're just like, I just thought that this was like a cool person I was connecting with, but like they have fans and stuff. So I'll let them. But it was like people like taking advantage of the situation kind of to be yeah. like, yes, me too. And I was like, you know what? Also, I got to go say what's up to my other friend over here and all this yeah. stuff. And when I was, when we were leaving, he said, and I was like, I don't know, this is like maybe like a networking opportunity or maybe just like, I just thought it was cool or something like to get to meet this dude. Also, he lives in Brooklyn, so whatever. Maybe I'll see him again. But he was like, you know, come on our podcast. Right, that's whatever what your name is, guys from Titus and try get, well, <laughs> But he's also very like he. I think he gets everything that we're probably talking about because when he was leaving, he was like, he talks like this. He's like, Jake, man, you left me over there, and I was like. <laughs> 
fuck, like I totally did. But then I was like, wait a minute, you're busting my balls about this because you know what I was doing, right? Like yeah. fucking entertaining everyone and you know it's you're kind of teasing me, I think, or whatever. Maybe not. Maybe I did abandon him. But I, I, that was so stressful though because I was like, okay, thank you person for coming to the show, but I want to go do this like once no, in a lifetime thing. No, you didn't abandon thing. him. No, because he knows if I think, okay, I think personally as a person who's not, ever or usually the person that like is having the attention from the outside people while you're trying to have a one-on-one thing. Usually um, I don't think it's my responsibility in any way or my place even to be like, Hey, 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 we're having lunch here. You know, like leave this person alone. I know. Like that's shitty. I'm not your manager. I'm not your girlfriend. I'm not your mom. I'm not like, it doesn't in any, it's not in any way. Okay. For me to be the person telling everyone to back the fuck up. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if they are like, hey, I love all you guys. Thank you so much. I'm having a little conversation with my friend Jake here. Can you give us five minutes? That's totally cool. So I think we do have to look at it as like he was just pulling your chain. I think so. He more than any more than likely, I should say uh, it was like annoying to him as well. But he is used to entertaining it and dealing with it. And then he was just acknowledging to you that you both of your attempt to try to chat got waylaid <laughs> by this thing this guy is like an extremely good performer and he's got yeah. into, like clearly when you watch him he does crazy shit on stage so yeah. like i think that's probably what's going on here but like it didn't matter i still was kind of bummed out because the other thing is like i mean i had like a kind of romantic partner there for a while and like other people that i'm like i actually want to see you and i was getting the fucking punishers would like corner me and want to fucking talk my ear off for like 10 minutes straight. And I'm yeah. like, no, 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 no. Time is a resource here. And you who came to the show with someone, I don't even know, like <laughs> it's stressing me out that you won't let me go talk to a person I'm having sex with or whatever the fuck or like, Jake, that happened to me. Can I tell you that I had fucking pictures fucked up because I was trying to like take self. Sorry if this like reveals anything, but I was like trying to take selfies with people I knew. And then like the rando that they brought, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get in the picture with us and i'm like dude i don't know you i can't I post agree. this now because you're just like randomly in this picture <laughs> i mean he was you're, having you a good time it's very hard i don't know why you want fans and attention <laughs> uh, I, that guy was having a good time but he was yeah like uh, you know, but also this is why it's such an abstract situation he doesn't know any of this shit you know not at all so at like all. i don't know man but i i don't know i'm i there's so many dimensions to these fucking shows, and that stuff is like a huge part of it. I had a lot of fun in New York, though. That was one of the best things I've ever been able to be a part of, and I was so fucking stoked about it. Um, but- I had a really good time. It was really fun to see you out there doing it. A lot of cool, cool, fun people came out to watch. The after party was fun. Jamie played all of my favorite 90 songs. She was doing great as the DJ. Jamie's another one, actually, uh, for Monty Fada. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've been on their Twitch. So we've like talked on Twitch. You know what I mean? And yeah. then we've like DM'd being like, we should be friends. <laughs> and then we like multiple times have been in the same space. <laughs> but there's like people talking to her or there's people talking to me. So then I'm like, OK, well, I'll just wait <laughs> until she's not busy. And then it's like, well, it's time to leave. And she's DJ. I'm leaving. <laughs> so I don't know. And so then we never talked. So. I do think that like a large portion of whoever thinks that I'm a bitch out there in the world, it's just that I was actually like giving you a lot of space. <laughs> I'm like <Right>. respecting. Yeah. <laughs> I 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Not I get that, that I was being so a much bitch. too. And it's just like yeah. another crazy thing happened to DC. <laughs> this is really uh-huh. funny, well, man. Oh, how was the DC show? Yeah, tell me. Oh, okay. So like two sold out shows at Comedy Ping Pong Pizza. Very funny concept, you know? And mm-hmm. uh when we rolled in, we were kind of doing like all of the the pizza gate jokes about the oh, you know, who's drinking adrenochrome tonight and stuff and like um playing into it but honestly wait so explain it to people is it that that was the specific place that these like reddit dudes were saying was where the yeah the pedophile ring was at yeah pizzagate conspiracy theory which is the precursor to QAnon, basically was mm-hmm. um that someone read a bunch of leaked hillary clinton emails and decided that because she had eaten at this restaurant in washington dc at one point that meant that was where the like lizard person whatever you know cabal ritual thing was happening where they tra- sacrificed children and harvested <laughs> adrenochrome out of their fucking spines or whatever and it's fake you know it's just stupid gollygook yeah. but like it got out of hand to the point where they had people coming in with like assault rifles and stuff saying they were going to free the children and shit and like yeah. you know and what's crazy is that Common Ping Pong Pizza is it was already like a music venue it was like a cool punk bar like literally like uh, you I know, didn't know it was a performance space at all yeah it always has been and yeah. all these fucking punk kids worked there you know my, our friend Blake like his friends worked Blake there Blake worked there? oh okay. his friends worked there yeah yeah um, but like I also musicians I listened to I found out eventually like um there's a vid- famous video of like a stupid right wing pundit going in and doing some dumb bullshit. And there's a server who has to be like, Hey, get the fuck out of here. That server was like this musician called spoon boy who like I listened to, he's like a cool punk yeah. guy or whatever. Um, so it's really interesting. So when I rolled in, I immediately was like, um, Oh, you know what? Actually I could tell these people were like kind of beleaguered with all of the Pizzagate Over jokes. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's something you have to say, know yeah. as a comedian. Like, don't go yeah. in and make the same joke everyone makes about the venue yeah. at the venue, right? So we did a little bit of it because it was like fan service to the people who kind of came out yeah. as a bit or whatever. But the more I talked to everyone, the more I hung out, I realized like they were taking really good care of us. They loved their fucking space. It was a cool punk yeah. space. And they were kind of tired of that shit. And I was like yeah. feeling a little disrespectful. And then, and it just didn't work as a joke anymore because like, it was more like we were trying to save the fucking venue, like from yeah. all that shit. Um, but w- but what was really weird is just because it's DC, a lot of strange people came out, like a lot of famous people and shit. Yeah, and one of them is a liberal ass pundit, like a bad lib like we would all make fun of on the internet yeah uh named charlotte climber and um, oh my god <laughs> <laughs> but what's crazy though i blocked her <laughs> yeah she blocked me so she came up to me but here's what's crazy though right uh-huh. she follows max and he tweets all this crazy socialist shit about hating yeah. the democrats and stuff i don't really understand why yeah. she thinks like we agree but she came up to me yeah. after my set right Mm-hmm. And she was like, I loved your set. And I was oh like, that's really interesting because what I'm doing with my set is that stuff we were talking Cognitive about. Cognitive dissonance. Well, I don't know because like. Her, on her part because. But remember last. Oh, sorry, go on, go on, go on. Go remember on. like last conversation we were, I was talking about reaching the audience and then pulling them in my direction. I'm not yeah, yeah. overtly yelling like, let's destroy capitalism on stage. I'm talking about stuff and then going like, True. come with me a little bit on this. And if you have the eye for it, you can see that it's like socialist shit. But if it's I'm yeah. designed to where the fucking libs in the audience who are most of the audience are not going to get their red flags up or whatever. Yeah. And so I think they worked. But this person came up and they were like, Whoa, whoa, what's your what's your name? Can I follow you? Are you on Twitter? 
did they try to follow you right in front of you and see that you she blocked you? I told her I was like, you blocked me on Twitter. Oh my god! What did you say? That's so funny. But like, that's the new uh, we've met. Yeah. <laughs> but she she was like, oh okay, um, I'll unblock you, and I started. To, it was weird because she was like complimenting me, but I was like, you know, like what's going on here? And I had to kind of yeah. sugarcoat it and be like. So the reason you unblocked, or you blocked me is probably because I went on Chapo and like, she's like, oh yeah, I fucking hate them. And, so, and I was like, you know, I don't really like them that much myself, to be honest with you. So I get that they're homophobic and shit. But like, yeah. but also I need to make it very clear. We disagree politically about stuff. Like I do not like the Democrats. I don't like the establishment. And then she started like doing the stuff that they do where they she was doing all these like fucking weird tricks of like no no we both want the same thing but what the left doesn't understand I'm working from the inside yeah like all that bullshit <laughs> and it was like uh, get the fuck out it was here. weird because they she hung out all night and then finally there was like a breaking point where it was like listen we cannot I'm not gonna fucking play nice with someone We're who's gonna hang out yeah fucking destroying the world you know and uh, I don't know. It's like that time I really wanted to fuck that border patrol guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just it couldn't be done, no matter how sexy he was. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I mean, not to stop you at all than telling me about um, how the shows have been going. This is maybe related. Um, I went to see, I took a day off from work and I took my brother on his 39th birthday to get massages together in Chinatown. And then we went to like a midday movie and had dinner and stuff. It was great. Being childless adults is really fantastic. And I just want to throw that out. But that's not the point. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we went to see the Nicolas Cage movie. Nice. Uh, the Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Okay, Jake? Love it. And you know what the premise of this movie is? Not really. Not really? Okay. I'm not going to ruin it for you at all because this is what you learn in the first five minutes or from watching the trailer. Okay? So the premise of this movie is that Nicolas Cage, the real actor, okay, has reached a, like, breaking point in his career wherein he is constantly working, but he has realized that nobody respects him as an artist because even though he's always working, he's not making what people think is like high art, Yeah. right? So the movie opens up with him having like lunch or brunch or whatever the fuck with like a director. I don't know. I think you're supposed to recognize who the guy is, but I have no idea who he is because he's not a good actor. So I imagine he's the real person. Right. So (laughs) he's like some kind of director and he is doing some kind of new movie. That's going to be like a big fucking deal. So Nicholas Cage playing himself is sitting there being like, man, you know, like I'm the guy for you. You know, I don't think I need to read for this, but if you want me to read, I'll read for it. You know? So the director's like, I don't know, you know, like, obviously you wouldn't have to read for it, but I'll get back to you, right? And Nicolas Cage does, like, a full, uh, I guess, like, soliloquy, right, in front of him while the guy is getting his valet, his car valet, like, returned to him. Uh So he basically, like, auditions on the sidewalk in front of a restaurant in L.A. to this director who's like, "Uh, yeah, that was really great. I'll get back to you. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And he walks away convinced that he's going to get it and that this is going to be the thing that puts him back on the map as like an uh, art, an artist. You get me? Uh And then he goes and meets up with his agent, 
who is played by Neil Patrick Harris. And the agent says to him, hey, so we've got like a really good offer, right? It's a million dollar offer. Uh, you're going to, it's great. It's a million dollars. Easy. One day <laughs> or not like one weekend, whatever. And Nicolas Cage is like, okay, what is it? And the agent says, well, it's a birthday party. <laughs> so Nicolas Cage is like, what the fuck do you mean? It's a birthday party. And he's like, yeah, it's like some rich guy from Spain wants to pay you $1 million to come to his birthday party in Spain, you know, for the weekend. He's just like a big fan. So Nicolas Cage is like, no, fuck that. I'm an actor. Like, you can't pay me to show up to your birthday party like I'm a fucking children's clown, right? So he's like, no, fuck that. And then he gets rejected for the part that he was, like, trying to get Mm, at the beginning, right? Yeah. So he calls his agent. And then at the same time, also, to add context, um, he has just gotten separated from his wife. He's been living in a hotel in L.A. for the last uh, 16 or 18 months. And the hotel has sent the bill to his agent. (laughs) So he's, like, under pressure to take something that will give him cash flow so he can pay because he hasn't even like gotten a how, uh, house or home since he got divorced. So he calls his agent and he's like, yeah, fuck it. I'll take the birthday party. Right. Yeah. So he goes to take the birthday party. And what happens, the whole rest of the movie is about the fact that um, the guy who hired him or who paid a million dollars to come to his birthday party is somebody that's being watched by the CIA. But the CIA has no way to get somebody into this like fortress like home in Spain and they realize that Nicolas Cage has been invited so they intercept him basically and they're like Nicolas Cage we need you to wear one (laughs) (laughs) and he's like holy shit I can't do that I'm an actor and then like after they like push him he's like wait I can do that I'm an actor (laughs) so then it's like Jake it's hilarious it's an action movie but it's like so funny it's really really great and it's just all about now he's in the situation where he is actually like wearing a wire and pretending that he's friends with this guy, whatever. Yeah. We don't even have to get into it. I highly recommend everybody watches the movie. It turns out I'm a Nicolas uh, Cage fan. Oh, he right? rules. Yeah. Yeah. But let's backtrack. Okay. Because the thing I wanted to bring up in relation to you and that I want to hear your feedback on and even like uh, in relation to what you've been seeing uh, living and working with working artists under capitalism is that Nicolas Cage kind of presented to me in this movie and the writers and director, whatever, I don't give a shit. I'm totally putting it in Nick Cage's feet. Nick, my new friend Nick, <laughs> has presented me with a dilemma, right? Which is the opposite of what I usually say. I normally am like a person who's always like, your art is your art and beware of um, monetizing it and selling it and measuring it by what is sellable because that makes it a diluted version of whatever you actually wanted to make, et cetera, right? Yeah. Which I think you usually agree with me. Yeah. But Nicolas Cage in this movie kind of brought up the idea of an artist as a worker, okay? Uh Uh-huh. So that if your job is to do your art, then you continue to take jobs that get offered to you so that you are always working, part one. And part two, if you believe that your art is about practicing your craft as often as possible, 
not about producing an object that is sellable, then it is kind of like your drive to constantly be doing it, no matter whether it's in a bar or in a basement or in a theater or in a rock show, <laughs> right? Yeah. So this like um, conflict, I guess, that initiates the whole problem of this movie, that's like the, the crux of why this artist is going through all this, it might be fictional, but it's really interesting to me because he really is at one point in the movie like, I have been doing this constantly since I was 15 years old. He's been 41 years in the industry, constantly making movies, constantly starring in shit, like in the movie. So the fact that he like did his own driving and gone in 60 seconds comes up because he has to do like driving shit for the CIA. <laughs> you know what I mean? So then it's like, uh, like all this stuff comes up about how he was like so dedicated to his craft that he did his own stunts in certain things. Yeah. So then like the CIA agent is like, yeah, you can do it. You did it in The Rock, remember? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it's it's so extremely funny. funny because then you realize that it's like, yeah, part of the reason that he can do further than his job is because the whole time he's been practicing at all these roles. You get me? Even if it wasn't, I'm working at, on a five-star, gold-star director. This is going to be an Oscar, absolute kind of, you know? So is it... I guess like my conflict, I don't know, that I was I wanted to bring up to you is like the idea of art as work and as continual practice versus the idea of being like a selective producer of art as an exclusive and rare object. Right? Yeah. What do you think about that? I don't know. I'm I think so, leave it there. there's so many <laughs> thoughts. Okay. Um, th th <laughs> yeah. I think one way, or at least the way I've been thinking about this a lot yeah. lately is uh, like you're, art versus like craft like the craft side of it um you know you just reminded me of a story I, I met somebody the other night after a show who was telling me that they traveled with the renaissance fair and when they were traveling with the renaissance fair um heath ledger was uh he was traveling with them and he was secretly uh doing the jousting because he was mm, researching first for, for first night or whatever the fuck yeah. it's called and like they didn't say oh he it's heath ledger or whatever it was really weird yeah. right super um you know committed method actor right um, and also like, I don't know, we were just talking the other day. I mean, I was thinking about this a lot with like Eve six cause I'm, um, reluctantly becoming a huge Eve six fan and stuff and watching <laughs> them every night and stuff. And, um, you know, I mean, they're like pop songs, a lot of the stuff and I don't know, they kind of have like the same thing going on with like some mainstream artists and also Max has talked about this himself, but like. The other day, somebody asked me, uh, what do you think about this comedian? What do you think about that comedian? And eventually they got to Dane Cook and they were like, what do you think about Dane Cook? And they kind of laughed or whatever. And I was like, you know what? Um, I think it's like kind of a conspicuous hip thing to like shit on this guy because he's like he such a good. bro bro or whatever the fuck. And like, cause people think, oh, he stole the joke and maybe he did or maybe he didn't, but he's like undeniably an excellent performer. Like it's yeah, insane absolutely. what he's doing up there. I don't know how to fucking yeah. do that. Nobody does. Right. And so then somebody went, oh yeah, that's what Max always says about uh, Nickelback is like another yeah. band. that's like this huge punchline to all of us. And yet they are selling out concerts like every night, you know, <laughs> someone is going to this and it's because of craft and uh because like nickelback is maybe like the best example of like has nothing to say excellent at saying it i guess like and yeah. some people don't need rock music like to be Dali. about anything <laughs> yeah. yeah 
Um, and then I also have been having this, like uh, the same conversation you have with every musician on a thing like this. Uh, me and Ben, the drummer have been sort of like trading notes and stuff. And every once in a while he'll go like, man, I have no idea how you do what you do and stuff. And I go, yeah, I don't know how to play music. Isn't that crazy? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but like I was, I noticed like we are the union. We'll all be doing like vocal warm ups before they go on and like scales and stuff. And like, no, 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 you know? And uh, they were joking with me the other day. They were like, "When before you go on, do you just go like, come, you know, <laughs> come. <laughs> come, 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 you know, so come. I was doing like, um, you know, this guy knows what I'm talking about. <clears throat> this guy knows what I'm talking about. But then I told them, I told them the same thing I told Ben, the drummer. I was like, no, 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 what you don't understand is when I think people often, I think on this tour, some people think I'm not working very hard because it's all internal, like. The 20 minutes uh, before I go on stage, I stare at my set list and I yeah. score it into my brain. And the reason I do Dude, that. That's literally why I don't talk to comics before a show. Yeah. Because so, that's what they're doing. They're staring at a wall. <laughs> and they're like, uh, and then if you say anything to them, like it's just like a glazed look over their eyes. And then just, if anything, sometimes they look mad that you even talk to them. <laughs> uh, no one understands. And some yeah. comics don't do this, but like it's for me, yeah. it's part of my method is I stare, I fucking score the thing into my head because yeah. what it is, is a path I'm going to walk through and I need to like be able to step off of it if something spontaneous yeah. happens and then remember what the next fucking thing is after that and like not have a panic where I don't remember where I am. Like, it's just got to be really burned in there. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm doing the same thing you guys are doing with your fucking trombone. I'm just doing it in Internally, so yeah. it looks like I'm doing nothing or whatever. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and with the drummer guy, I was telling him this. I was like, you know, what's funny is that like I look like I'm doing all this stuff spontaneously, but you've seen me do the show ten times in a row. You know, it's not true. It's he. He was saying, oh, you know, I get to hide behind my drum set. That's what's like. Yeah. That's what makes me feel safer on stage. And I was like. I also have a drum set. It is invisible. Like what mm -hmm. I have is a bunch of invisible things I've laid out yeah. in my weird chaos magic mind's eye that I can reach for at any given time. And that's why I feel secure and safe like I'm behind a drum set because I've been sitting there going, if someone says this, I will say this and just like fucking preparing <laughs> it over and over and over again. And like, um, anyway, like all of this, because. I, what I was, you know what's fucked up about that though that I would say to musicians you should be thankful for is that then uh, stand-up comics when they're being judged by people who know stand-up comedy they are aware of the things that show like the, we, their crutches like we're aware of crutches like when you when a comic doesn't know where to put their hands or when they like hang on to the mic stand yeah. <laughs> like behind them or you know there's like a bunch of things so you guys are hyper scrutinized on like just standing there. Like you literally do not have anything to hide behind. So they are all mental in the way that you're saying. They're all like you've been pun practicing on an invisible punching bag, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> and uh, it's really crazy because I don't get music at all either. But I also understand Ben's point of view because I don't, I've never wanted to be a stand up because I'm like, yo, that seems insane. Like, why would you, why would you just stand up there and say some stupid shit you thought of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, like, to answer your question though, this goes back to like 
okay, a Nicolas Cage character who does movies all the time and people think that he's not a real artist, but he is doing craft, right? He's doing it. That's that's what the CIA in the movie utilizes in him is that this person is um, excellent at that end of it. And they don't, they need the craft. They don't need the truth or whatever, which is what you might on the other end of the artistic spectrum, you might have somebody who's like, you know, their work is really fucking important, but they're not like extremely tight in the way that like Eve six is when they perform or like a radio band or something like that, you know? And I think that's just two ends of the spectrum. And like, you can, you also, you can do both. Like you, I I think it's really great. It's good to be aware of when you're doing one and when you're doing the other. Totally. And I, that things get fucked up and confusing when people start to, to flip those around and, and obfuscate and stuff and go, you know, this fucking band can't even play a chord. And it's like, that's not the point. The point is that they're saying something really interesting. Or this band makes really lame music that's not, you know, blowing my mind. That's not the point. The point is that they're fucking playing pop, which is just fun to consume, you know? I don't know. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I I like what you said about, like, uh, it's important to, to know that you can do both and to know when you're doing one versus the other. I love that because, you know, I guess for me, this movie or this version of Nicolas Cage that he presented in this movie, the chord it struck was that I am so used to thinking about how artists, specifically comics, are stressed out by or compromised by the idea that they have to sell, that they have to like get this thing that they have to have certain credits that like they have to work a certain club like all this specific like all these markers of capitalism and sellability right mm-hmm. that a lot of comics are obsessed with or oppressed by even if they try to not care about them and yet here is someone who is successful by all of the measures of capitalism And yet he is stressed out by the idea that nobody thinks he's an artist yeah, (laughs) because he's been selling out all along and he doesn't think he was selling out. He thinks he was working, (laughs) you know, and he thinks he was working out and then to find out and to hear and like, who knows, who knows who told him his agent or he like looks on Twitter. Who knows? Who knows how Nicolas Cage heard that there's people who think, he sucks and he went downhill and he's doing a bunch of garbage and he just takes anything. And eventually it did get to him. And this version he presents in this movie is like so hurt, Jake, and so sad that 40 years of proving that he can do the work doesn't mean anything to anyone who's talking about who's an artist. You know what I mean? And it's almost sort of like... um a a warning I don't know like a warning to the other side right to the side that I guess I'm usually not speaking for the side that is making all the right moves and networking and like getting all the right things and hitting all the right marks every five years and whatever the fuck it is that you measure yourself by externally this Nick Cage character is like a warning to those of you who think you've been doing all the right things of climbing the ladder that if you don't pay attention to what makes you happy as an artist 
and that you can actually point to and say, no, I did this because it's artistically good and it's what I wanted and not because it was marketable or sellable, you will one day feel like everything you did wasn't good enough because people don't look at you as an artist or as one of the greats. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you could do the other side too and yeah. be pure and then never, you know, and then uh, never be heard of and disappear. And yeah, yeah never make any money and stuff. Yeah. I, I think, um, the fluidity is kind of like what's important to me in this whole like weird dialectic. Cause like, um, you know, you a lot of times you have b- bands that are really famous and they go play their hits like Eve Six is doing, you know, but then they have yeah. a side project and that's what the guy actually really loves yeah. doing. But it's like, you get to do that one because you made your money doing the other one and stuff. And like, yeah. I've been thinking a lot about like, um, this is kind of a fucking reach. So forgive me, but, uh, I just read the dawn of everything. David Graeber's like final book right before he died. And like, he talks a lot about how, um, he critiques like historical materialism and, and Hobbesian bullshit. He puts both of those you know, Hobbes and Rousseau against each other. And he's basically like, um, the, the, the problem with both like a Marxist, like historical materialist take on history and Hobbes is, you know, we're all supposed to be conservative thing or whatever is that they imply that there's just one timeline or whatever. And so he does stuff like he researches uh, Inuit culture and stuff like way early mm-hmm. on the you know Western continent. And he talks about how like, um, you know, this is like everyone's kind of arguing about whether a state, you know, what causes a state to be a thing because he's a fucking anarchist or whatever. And he's like, you know, what's interesting is in these Inuit like societies, um, people would um, like they would f- f- like change fluidly throughout the year because of the weather. So you would have a chief during the summer when you had to go out and do hunting expeditions to make all the food for the rest of the year. And a Marxist or a Hobbesian will both tell you, oh, once that guy's in power, he's in power, right? But what's interesting is they would come back. And then the chief would not be in charge anymore. And they would like make fun of him and joke and stuff. And they'd turn back into like the Rousseau collective, like sort of primitive communism thing. And they would switch throughout the year. And like oh, the whole book is a million examples of like how you can fucking do everything a million different ways. And it always has. Yeah. So I've been thinking about that a lot because I, uh, I, was, I had this really trippy thought the other night where I was like on the tour bus and I was like starting to have the weird feeling you get on tour where you can't remember the beginning of the tour. And you're just like, <laughs> has my life always been on this? bus you know <laughs> and i was thinking about a friend of mine who went on tour for like a year one time like he just went out and like threw his shit in storage and like so went right before i left for tour i was like i live in this house right or this fucking apartment or whatever and doing shows is a thing i go and do and then i come back to the house but if you go on tour for long enough who you are is you live on the bus and going home every now and then is a thing that you go and do while you're not. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and I was like, you know, these things feel so viscerally different. And I was like, oh, I kind of feel like the fucking Inuit thing where I'm like switching between these modes and it's fine. Like they, they're, they the, I'm going to go make a bunch of money doing things on this tour yeah. and then use that to go fucking make a passion project at home and stuff and totally. and sometimes I'm going to get to do really creative shit. I mean, I'm basically being able to get really creative on this show, but there's limitations yeah. to it and stuff. And like Yeah, because you have to do things in service of doing a good show. Yeah. Of like setting up the next band or the next act. Yeah. Yeah, I'm support and I'm also yeah. like um, you know, working within knowing who the audience yeah. is and stuff. And like I just also like have been kind of I'm really 
like proud of the, <laughs> the Eve six guys for for what they're doing. Cause they're like, yeah, they're aware of that limitation too, but they're pushing it with like, you know, talking about how like we booked a gay ska band and a communist comedian and like knowing mm-hmm. it's pissing off their audience. And we're kind of clashing with them a little bit. Like people are yelling homophobic shit at the stage and stuff, but they're like, oh, wow. no, not like, in New York, not in New York. Um, yeah, I'm like, not in New York, I didn't see that. No, New York was yeah. a fucking cool-ass show. Yeah. I mean, there was some people that were like, where's the band or whatever, but like, whatever, yeah, fuck yeah. that. Um, but like, I don't know. I feel like, the, I feel so. like I was saying earlier, some musicians have the side project where it's their passion project, but I feel like they're kind of like, do it, like they're just like, it's all rolled into one thing. They're like, you know, come on out. We're going to play the Heart in the Blender song. I'm also going to play yeah. some new songs, and you have to yeah. hear it. And you should watch the fucking openers and stuff. Yeah. And like, um, I, but it's that's why it's so chaotic, I guess, is because it's like, you know, it's like if Nick Cage was doing the craft and the other thing he wanted to do all in the same show or something. Ah, but I loved it. And uh, to be honest with you, I didn't find it chaotic, but I did find it in a lot. In a, I don't know how you say that, but similar to the Nick Cage movie in the sense of it being like you're saying multiple things in one. But um, I don't know. Like, is it just that I see art so and capitalism so clearly this way? But like watching the show, I was like, is this too x-ray? But I feel like I could clearly see the moments where you were being you for you being a comic. And then, like I said, you ended the first time we performed with a, a, um, and I don't know if you're doing exactly the same sets and all the things, but when I saw you, uh, you ended the first set with this music joke that won people over and got them to like fucking look up from their phone and stop the conversation and like, listen. And then you went right into introducing We Are The Union. We Are The Union performs and they had a portion of the audience that they are that already knew them and they was paying attention. And then they went over some other and you can see that We Are The Union also kind of like a comic started with a familiar song that their fans knew and then in the middle did the stuff people don't necessarily know and then ended with what i think was probably their best song so that they're ending on a high note and setting up the room for the next act which is you yeah so then they do the changeover you go on i can see the part where it's jake being an actual i don't want to say actual but like being a comedian who's doing it for himself And then you ended with a story about, well, with the cum cookie story, but then with the fact that, like, because of this incident, this is how you met Max. And so then it was like a personal throw to, like, and now Eve Six, right? Yeah. And then they go on and they play a song, which I know, I don't know if you know, like, Eve Six old stuff, but like, I do now. (laughs) You do now, yeah. Yeah. So they started with, uh, old stuff, but not the heart in the blender song, and that immediately for us oldies was like, oh, we know this, we love it, and so we're like into it. And then they went into their like newer stuff, which was also awesome. And then uh, totally purposefully, I think, held off on doing the heart in the blender song until I think the second to last song, yeah. the third to last song, which smartly keeps everybody in the room because that's what a lot of people came here to hear is that heart in the blender song, but now you heard all their other stuff and you also enjoyed it. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. And you saw these other bands before and this comic. Um, so to me, what I saw you six doing was the same thing I think I saw all of you doing, which was understanding when you're playing for the room and for the showcase and when you're playing for yourselves. Yeah. Like even in the bands, you can see when they're like really feeling it and into it. And this is like the song I wanted to play. And then the ones that they're like, this one's for the audience. And right. It's like your reward, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And yeah. it's, I think what you were saying about like being self-aware of when you're doing one versus the other and not being like such a purist that you're not willing to do the, I don't want to say pandering, but the thing the audience wants to hear, you know what I mean? And, or the thing that sets up the room for the show to go well. And you can't be such a fucking sellout that you only do the things that set up the room and make things go well and you never take a risk and you're never artistic and daring you know what i mean yeah yeah if you want to do that you can play weddings and be a cover band or something exactly and just do 40 yeah top 40 greatest hits and whatever the fuck yeah yeah i'm saying that you remember the exact run of show because that's exactly what it is i've seen it a million (laughs) times at this point but yeah yeah, all those things are deliberately happening like that to make that flow and I had to figure well, that out on a, the this spot. Is how I watch, this is how I watch art. And then some people have accused me of overthinking it. And I'm like, well, this is how I have fun. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? Like, I was like drunk by the end of this. And I was like, <laughs> I will never forget the run of show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how I have fun, you guys. You don't know a real nerd if you don't understand. <laughs> right, man. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I've pretty much got my set down. Like, I figured out. And for the reasons you just described, yeah. exactly like where each punchline needs to land and stuff, and exactly yeah. when I need to meter out all the call and response stuff, because like yeah. I just figured out all that shit. Oh, if I do jokes that are prompts, you know, like who's doing this, then yeah. it just keeps the fucking drunk crowd like from getting what? too distracted and shit, and like, yeah. um, totally. Yeah. And uh, no, and I and the fun thing for me was. Um, Seeing that that musicians do it too, Jake. Yeah, we all yeah. are doing the same thing. Y- yeah, I mean, if you're good and you care about putting on a good show, as as well as uh, challenging challenging yourself as an artist, I think that's like really important. Um, all my favorite performers of any kind that I've seen are the people who simultaneously respect that it is kind of like their responsibility. I don't want to say job, but it's their responsibility to put on a good show and like not disappoint the people who came here to see you or and not to sabotage the people that follow you. But also we are also here to see you be an artist, which means taking the risks and doing whatever it is that satisfies your need to grow and experiment and expand with the knowledge and trust that you might fail and it's okay because you also played our favorites. (laughs) And you also, you know, you started strong and you ended strong. So in the middle, go crazy. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I was thinking about all this the other night because uh, we played fucking House of Blues in Cleveland and like these venues are just extra like um, Fiesta deck or whatever the fuck. That's a term I use for this because there's a C-Lab 2021 episode where they start a cruise ship and it's all just like nightmare, like tourists, like where's the buffet, you know, Uh, just kind of like and I'm not trying to condescend to like fans of Eve 6. 
but I will condescend to people who are only fans of Eve Six because they think the that you're supposed song. to go to where the radio tells you or whatever. Uh, yeah. Because I've had to analyze the fucking audience so much, and I'm like, there is a large contingent of them that are there because what you do on the weekend, if you live in your little fucking suburban thing, is you listen to the radio and you buy tickets to where they tell you to go. And then you go, I remember this band and you don't watch the opening act and you fucking get in, get drunk, yell, who the fuck is this guy on stage at me? And that's the entire comedy cellar. Yeah, right. It's just like the fucking comedy. It's all the same thing. See, I mean, the comedy cellar audience, if it's like 60 people in the small room, Five of those people are comedy fans who are like thrilled that they're at the comedy cellar for the first time ever and they like love it so much. And the rest of them are people who are like, Yeah, I heard that this is where Louis C.K. comes. Right. That's so funny because it's like the yeah. same person, but they're like, Where's the comedy? instead of yeah. Why is this comedy or whatever? Because they're, yeah. you know, they just have it in their mind to do a thing. But anyway, what, yeah. what I, I guess what I was saying about this is like, I kind of know that. Max can't push those people too hard because right. this is who we're making all the money off of. Yeah. But I keep seeing like someone yell a homophobic slur or start a fight yeah. or something. And the bands, both of them have yeah. done this so far. Fucking stop playing and go get that fucking person out of here. Good, yeah. And I appreciate that because yeah. you made money off of that person and you yeah. could like a shitty comedian Just fucking cower yeah. to them and go, it's okay that you did that. We're all just yeah. fine. But you fucking recognized a, you know, they're, you're, they're ruining it for a bunch of other people is what comics usually yeah. say, which is fine. That's a good explanation, but also no, <laughs> like there's yeah. a line to which you're allowed to fucking be a drunk dumbass and, and like, yeah. you know, still be here at the show or whatever. But, uh, you know, once you start fucking stepping on the toes of people that we appreciate here, you know, yeah. in an abusive way like that. Um, yeah, you'll get fucking thrown out. And like, I don't know, I just I like it because it's like it, you see someone not being as craven as like a lot of comedians will be and they go around against their own interest for a second so you can tell that all of this is the whole thing the whole line we're walking through the whole show is uh thoughtful and like tempered for a reason it's not just happening it's like mm -hmm. we're making sure we stay in between the fucking craft art yeah. thing at all times you know yeah <sighs> and you're all doing a version of the push pull right where you're like uh, pulling people along that already liked something about you, but also pushing them further to question, like to like more than whatever they already expected you to do. Um, and I love that. I think that's like the eternal artist problem. It's like what killed Jackson Pollock? <laughs> you know, it was like he didn't want to do splashes anymore, but everybody was like, why aren't you doing the splashes? <laughs> and he was like, oh my God, I need to get drunk. And then he fucking died in a car accident. So, you know, um, if you all can figure out a way to like give people the splash paintings once in a while, because that's what will bring them in. And that's, that's what they like about you. And it's great. You made something great. And that's cool that you're liked for something that they, whatever, something that you did, but you can't keep that thing from letting you expand and experiment and fail and just try different shit 
but also like walk that line, like Jake was saying. You know, if you like can't lose either side. If you walk it right, I think. Yeah. You know, liberals always say like, oh, I'm candy coating the truth and I'm going to yeah. get in and do all this stuff. I don't think, I think they're bullshitting in the way that they do yeah. it. They're and just I'm, giving you sugar. I, but I'm going <laughs> to, yeah. I guess, self-servingly claim that I'm actually doing the thing that they think they're doing. Because like, <laughs> I, if you do this well enough, you know, and especially with what Max is doing on Twitter with the socialist stuff. Yeah. I mean, I had somebody come up to me the other night and I'm very proud of this. Some person came up to me in the fucking South, man, in like Greensboro or something. It was like, you radicalized me. Like, I used to be a fucking liberal. <laughs> and like, then I started listening to all your stuff because yeah. I heard you on a thing. And I was like, yay, <laughs> that's yeah. that's what I'm trying to kind of make happen here. That's the whole fucking totally, goal, right? Man. So like that fucking poll thing, it can work, you know? And, totally. and and I think like uh, Eve Six is not just doing it um, artistically. They're also doing it in practice, like you said, by their booking, by like who they're bringing up with them, because not only with you and you having a, a non uh, non traditional, non mainstream point of view in most of the things that you do and say, but also you know I. Kind of like I was a part of a ska scene in Florida growing up in really? high school, let's say. And I got to tell you, man, I think that uh, until this show, I had never seen a ska band that wasn't all white guys. Yeah. With once in a while, there was like one black guy in there. Yeah. Right. And uh, it was really awesome to see a band that was like, uh girls boys uh cis trans uh all kinds of races like good at playing their instruments really good at working together like it was really amazing i had never seen something like that and it was in a way where it reminded me sort of a happy hardcore <laughs> like uh like a raver thing where it's like I don't know, like the happiest version of a music, you know, <laughs> where yeah. some people were like just getting together and we're so happy to be together and be heard together and harmonize together. I don't know if that's just super corny. I was not doing XC or. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're totally right. I <laughs> love yeah. them so much. And like yeah. when I was thinking that like weird acid trippy, like, oh, I live in this yeah. bus now thing the other day, I, I was. The same thing was going on in my head when we were at Comet Ping Pong because we had to just hang out in the back mm. the whole time. And I was like, I feel like I'm like in the, like I joined the circus, like, <laughs> but I, I love it, you know, because yeah. we go and do the same thing every night. And I'm just sort of like, this is what it's like. I think if you're hanging out in the, yeah. during the day before the fucking stupid show or you throw a clown across the room or whatever, like, <laughs> I, it's, it's just like, I get so fucking emotional about touring. I love it so much. It feels like summer camp and like our last it show with them really is fun. coming up and I'm going to be yeah. so sad because when's your last show? Well, our last show with We Are The Union, because at some point we split, oh. like they go do another leg of yeah, a tour yeah. and then we get a different opener and stuff. And uh, when, When's the last day with We Are The Union? Oh, it's in like three. I can't remember exactly which one it is. I don't know. And then do you know who you get next? Yeah, this guy called Field Medic. I haven't heard him. Field Medic. I'm sure I'll, okay. by the end of the week I'll be like, Field Medic, like, I miss I you love so much. Field Medic. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, can't wait, I can't wait to hear about it because I don't know if I've told you, but like, I've never had any desire to perform anywhere, but I love the idea of touring. <laughs> like, I'm like, I would love to be in the bus and just go meet random people in the random cities and just be like, oh, everything closes at 10. They don't sell liquor here. Like, it's just weird. I love it. I just love everything about touring. 
except for the part where you have to get on stage and perform. You should, uh, <laughs> you should sell merch or something. Nah, I don't know about that. That sucks too. <laughs> I just want to hang out. <laughs> I'm just like, can I be on your bus and then hang out? I don't want to write an article or take your picture or run the show or do the merch table or get you drinks. Nothing. I don't want to do anything. Set up your equipment. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to hang out. <laughs> uh, I bet you could, you could pull it off at some point. It's a tough sell, but you know. It's a tough sell. I'd have to be like a manager, an agent. That's what those people do. I mean, this this happens like with people's like, you know, it was my girlfriend or whatever. But like, yeah, uh, but I don't want to be that either. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be a weird hanger on her. But no, not that either. I need a title. We'll work it out. We'll figure it out. One yeah. of these days, I'll be on the Eve 6 and Jake Flores tour. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so please let Max and John know that I'm extremely upset at them. Uh, not mad, but just kind of sad and hurt and disappointment, <laughs> disappointed. Um, but I hope that the rest of their tour goes well. And it was great to see them. You all did great. That's my message, Jake. Don't forget. Thank you. Um <laughs> I mean, we'll all meet again at some point. We'll definitely be on, you know, podcasts and shit. But I, these, I mean, I, I, I think I'm friends with these people now. And I think we'll probably just see each other at some point, you know. And, and then I'll yell at them personally. I'll get them to come but hang out with us meantime, in Brooklyn. Pass on my message. <laughs> I will. I will. It's so tragic that if, if you're nice, you don't get to. If you're actually a pleasant person who yeah. is respectful I'm like, of the I'll band. just patiently wait. <laughs> like, everybody, everybody went to bed. Fuck. Dude, that happened to me one time um, after I opened for Stanhope uh, at one point in Austin. And then, like, the next year when he came through, he played the same venue. And so I came and hung out. And I remember I was standing next to this other comedian who's, like, a big, fat fucking blowhard. And he was, like, um, I went up to the the uh, fucking, the get, the like, the green room. And there was like a manager, um, and I was like, "Hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I opened for him last year. You know, I saw people hanging out in the green room. Do you mind if I come in?" And then he was like, um, "No, no, you can't come in." And then my friend went, "I'm going to that fucking green room," and just stormed in. And then I watched him disappear into the green room, and he went and fucking partied all night. And I was like, "I lost because I'm trying to fucking be nice to the crew here and shit." Fuck, you know, you just you lose. It sucks. But we win in the end because we have integrity and we don't end up like Nicolas Cage, you know, going, why did I make all these, um, you know, short-sighted decisions? No, I know we could go the other way, though, but it's fine. We're not <laughs> going to talk about that now. Uh, I recommend you see it. If you get a free afternoon or whatever, one of these days, uh, go check it out. I think you'll like it a lot. Besides the fact that it has like art, art artist shit to think about it's also a fun and funny movie and it made me realize that turns out like i don't like comedy movies but i like movies that were written funny even though they weren't meant to be comedies yeah if that makes sense yeah like i i want a movie written with a sense of humor but when you try to write a comedy it's like all corny hacky bullshit and i hate it yeah totally yeah all right. Okay. Anyway, enjoy your tour. Enjoy all your evening activities. I uh, can't wait to check in. Um, I did tell you we don't we don't have many emails. People send us emails. I think it's because we gave them a Discord and now they can talk to each other about how much they hate us and our opinions yeah. instead of writing directly to us. So unless you want us to delete the Discord, <laughs> then you better start sending some fucking emails, motherfuckers. No, I'm just kidding. Please, hi. Um, or else we'll, we can do something else. Uh, I was going to tell you we can also do. Um, 
episodes about other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Special topics that we don't want anybody else to hear. <laughs> when, uh, yeah. yeah, especially when I get on dry land a little bit more, we can just yeah. record extra shit. But thank you for bearing yeah. with us as, you know, the tour, the schedule gets weird because I'm living at Comet Ping Pong Pizza in a bus and shit. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah, we'll make it all up to you uh, when Jake is back in town. We will do extra stuff and put it all up for you. Um, but yeah, talk to you again soon. Yeah, go to my live show, Meet Space. It's happening in uh, oh. New York on the 17th. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I've got another pizzazz with Gary Goldman on the 16th at Baby's All Right. And this month we have um, Chris Gethard and Brittany Carney and Jay Jordan. 10 bucks. It's almost sold out. Come on by if you're in Brooklyn. And come see me with you six, obviously, if you're in one of these cities. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a great yeah. show. It's a great show. It's so much. I feel like people don't understand how hard I'm working. I'm it's like, a really great show. It's super, dude, super fun, man. I half, got really, really drunk and had a really great time. I'm doing a half an hour every night split into yeah. two sets an hour apart, which is like you yeah. don't get to take a break really to relax like, at yeah. all yeah you're just like on for an hour and a half basically <laughs> i know we don't have any loaded equipment but i'm still like working it's just yeah you do comedy well enough people can't tell you're working all right Jake, i could tell you were working really hard <laughs> and i loved it great job thank you all right all right i'm really bye. ending it now bye